come on. Let's talk about sex. Welcome to Central Michigan Life's podcast. Let's talk about sex. Hi, this is Megan Pacer, the Voices Editor at Central Michigan Life, and today I'm here with a couple of guests. Kelsey Smith, the Copy Editor at CM Life. Zara Ahmed, the News Editor at CM Life. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that has um, gotten quite a lot of hype over the last month or so, the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, which for those of you who either saw the movie or read the books know is about um, a couple that meet, um, a really shy, submissive girl, Anna Steele, uh, has to interview um, this kind of business powerhouse, Christian Grey. They're immediately attracted to each other and she um, slowly gets swept into his world of um, BDSM and has to learn what that means. Um, and is kind of having a sexual um, awakening while she's going through and um, getting to know this man closer. Um, And we're just here to talk about how that movie, um, while it was really popular, especially over Valentine's Day weekend, was not necessarily the best representation of a healthy relationship between a man and a woman. Um, First, I guess we could just give our general opinions of the movie. Um, Kelsey, I know I thought it was pretty awkward in some scenes, um, but, you know, not so bad in others. I guess, Mm -hmm. what did you think? I thought it was very interesting. Um, Definitely, I read the first book, and seeing it on screen was a lot more awkward than reading it. It was just sort of different being in a theater filled with people, um, seeing such, like, intimate scenes. They weren't as explicit as they were in the book, but they were still right there in front of your face. Um, it was very different seeing it than reading it. I felt that it was a lot more, I guess you could say, abusive than, you know, when I was reading it. I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe Anna chose this lifestyle with him, but you can clearly see there's a fine line where there's abuse in this situation. Yeah, I would agree. It was definitely more awkward seeing it on screen than in a book. Um, I don't necessarily think the actors were all that bad, but there were just Mm -hmm. some parts taken right from the book that you just can't really, no matter how good you are at acting, you can't make seem normal or not awkward. Um, And yeah, I would agree that, that there were some good parts and that the majority of it was really awkward and a little explicit. And I'm definitely glad that it wasn't as graphic and explicit as it was in the book, um, because that might have needed an X rating, honestly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was, I guess, my general opinion. Yeah, Yeah, so what were some parts in the movie that made you a little uncomfortable and where you kind of um, defined the line between abuse and a relationship? I guess, um, actually, none of the parts where they were actually having sex mm-hmm. in what he called his red room or his his playroom. Um, it was the parts that made me the most uncomfortable just as a female thinking about this in terms of a relationship were actually everything outside of the sex. Um, everything that had to do with their relationship outside of when they were having ses- sex with each other um, was kind of concerning because there are a lot of red flags that actually go right along with um, some of the signs for an abusive, unhealthy relationship. Just to name a couple of things, um, there was a moment when, um, well, first of all, he makes Anna sign um, a non-disclosure agreement, which means that she can't talk to her roommate, who you can tell she's really close with in the movie. It's her best friend. And he makes her sign an, agree- sign an agreement saying she can't talk to her roommate about their relationship. She can't talk to her parents openly about the relationship. So if she's ever uncomfortable with it, and throughout the movie you can tell she is, she can't go to any of her closest, most trusted people to talk about her concerns with them. So he's really penning her in. 
Um, another instance, when they're uh, having an email conversation back and forth, mm-hmm. um, she kind of sends him a joking email implying that uh, she's not going to sign this contract to become his submissive, and she's um, kind of going to dump him in a way. And she meant it as a joke, and literally in the next five minutes, he's he magically appears in her apartment. So we don't know if he broke in. We don't know if he got the key from someone. But it, in my mind, that kind of triggered um, a little bit of obsessive uh, behavior on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely what sort of was a red flag for me is when Anna was prompted to sign the contract. The contract was just sort of, you know, um, involved all of the details about the sex and what she was okay with and what she wasn't okay with. But it also had details regarding restricting her diet, um, how much she could eat, what she could eat. Um, how much she had to exercise per week, um, a contraception pill that she had to be put on. She had to see a doctor. Um, she was given gifts by Christian Grey. She was given a car, a laptop, phone, and she like could only um, pretty much. She had to spend every weekend with him, and she had her own room with at his apartment. And it was just very restricting. Like every little detail of her life was sort of fixated, mm-hmm. and I thought that was that just wasn't really okay. Yeah, and another, I guess, moment where you realize he's exhibiting, um, you know, obsessive, uh, jealous behavior even. Um, There's another friend that Anna has at the beginning who you really don't Mm -hmm. see after a certain point because it's a male friend who she's really close with. And uh, when he makes a drunken pass at her one night, again, Christian, out of nowhere, appears and has stalked her to her location at a bar Mm -hmm. and um, basically makes a really big deal out of the fact that she's with this male friend. And you really don't see him at any point after Mm -hmm. that in the film, after Christian makes it apparent that uh, this male friend is not okay. Um, So it's... All of these are examples of classic warning signs of an abusive relationship in real life. And so I think where the problem comes in is that um, this movie was really hyped up as not just being about sex, but also being as kind of a love story. Um, And so a lot of people, obviously it came out really close to Valentine's Day, so you've got a lot of couples going to see it to celebrate. You've got a lot of people going, thinking they're going to see a movie, you know, a racy movie about sex and a romantic relationship. And I guess I just worry that not every young girl or young woman is going to realize that this really unhealthy relationship is masked in that, you know, kind of romantic sex movie when Mm -hmm. they go to see it. Okay, so yeah, it was portrayed as a love story. It was created as Twilight fan fiction. Where do you think that concept takes place or is within the movie? Because so far we've only highlighted the abusive abusive aspects of it. Yeah, that's one thing that I don't think a lot of other people realize, too, is that it wasn't created as an original idea if um and I didn't know this at first either but after doing a little research um the author um E.L. James James, um actually wrote the book as a fan fiction of Twilight and for those of you who don't know what a fan fiction is you're basically rewriting an existing story with maybe different names a few different plot points but rewriting it in the way you would have wanted it and so there's just we were talking about this after mm-hmm. we saw it. There's so many points in the movie where I was personally sitting there thinking, "Oh wow, this is Twilight." Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place in Seattle, which is really close to where Twilight took place. It's the same two main characters and a dominant male and a submissive female, and he's attractive and uh, powerful and mysterious, uh, mm-hmm. which Edward was in Twilight, and um, uh, just yeah, just a lot of other details that made it clear that. Um, it was pretty heavily based off of Twilight. And so I guess I would also worry that uh, people seeing it wouldn't realize that and would take it as kind of an original idea. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
I would definitely say the same. They were just very similar with just, like, how they acted. Like, Anna was very awkward, so was Bella. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, very into English literature. Same dominating male. Um, it was it was just crazy similar. Um, I would even say some scenes, like, the parking lot even looked, like, identical yeah. in Fifty Shades of Grey than it did in Twilight. And just very similar. It would just sparked a lot of memories, and I just didn't understand. <laughs> All right, so the whole movie is basically based around her um, deciding whether she wants to sign this contract. Now, what does a contract imply? I mean, for me, a contract implies that you're pretty much signing yourself over to this person or this lifestyle. And that's great, I think, for people who want that lifestyle and who Mm -hmm. choose it. But the story of Anna is really concerning because she didn't even know about this lifestyle. She met a man... She was attracted to that man, and she's kind of sucked and pulled into his world. She doesn't know what BDSM Mm -hmm. is. She doesn't know the dominant, submissive lifestyle. And so I'd feel a lot better if she had, you know, done research or was already into that stuff on her own. Um, But, yeah, I guess a contract in her situation symbolizes, you know, just kind of signing your your life over or your at least her body over Mm -hmm. to um, someone who knows a lot more about that than she does. I agree. She didn't have any sexual experience prior to Christian either. So she was very innocent, and I just felt like she was just sucked into it, and she didn't want to lose something so great. But in reality, you know, Mm -hmm. how great is it? That Yeah, that was another point, is that throughout the movie you see her. um, (laughs) The whole movie is her, like you just said, Zara, battling whether or not she's going to sign this contract, whether or not she's going to go along with this lifestyle. And every time you see her doubt it, every time you see mm-hmm. her think, wow, maybe he's not treating me right. Um, maybe he, uh, you know, he should have stayed the night instead of just had sex with me and left. Um, every time she gets upset about it, she goes back to um, just not wanting to lose him. And I think that kind of implies also not wanting to lose the sex because apparently it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not wanting to lose this new sexual awakening experience that she's having. So you, you're basically in that movie sending the message to girls that if you don't want to lose the great guy with the great body and the great sex, um, don't worry about how he's treating you outside of the bedroom. Because that's, like we said, is the real problem. It's not how he's treating her in the bedroom because she is consenting to that, but it's how he's treating her outside in mm-hmm. real life in their relationship, which is super unhealthy. Yeah. All right, so... Um Why do you think this was so insanely popular among young women? I think it was one of the first sort of, I guess you could say, romance novels, but, like, of the newer generation where people were just like, oh, this book talks so much about sex. Like, that wasn't something that was, like, out and, like, popular. And I think it just just sparked an interest and people just kept reading it. And I... I don't really know. It it was written okay. Um, I I would not say that it was written well. I did not really particularly enjoy reading it, but that's just me. Um, I just think because of the topic, it just sparked a lot of interest and controversy at first, and a lot of people just kept reading it, and they kept reading the rest of the series, and then once a movie was formed, people, you know, flocked right to it. Yeah, I would agree. I would say... Um, I, I also didn't really necessarily enjoy reading it based on um, how it was written. I guess, you know, the content was intriguing. Like you mm-hmm. said, it was controversial. And like you said, there wasn't really anything out like that at the time. And that actually, what you just said, kind of makes me think, um, what if the reason it was so popular is basically because we don't talk about sex openly. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about um, BDSM 
types of relationships openly. I feel like there's a stigma that if you're, oh, this is another point, that if you're into BDSM um, and into a Mm. submissive dominant relationship, that there's something wrong with you, that that's weird, that's like a fetish, it's a taboo, it's bad. Um, And even in the movie, Christian Grey has this... um, reveal that he was abused as a child, he was starved, he was burned by cigarettes on his chest and had a horrible mother. Mm -hmm. And so I think that kind of implies that to be into that type of sexual lifestyle, you have to be damaged, which you definitely do not. A lot of people in the BDSM community have been coming out against this movie and saying, no, this misrepresents us. This is a sexual preference only. Mm -hmm. It has to be done with utmost respect. And Christian does not respect Anna at least not outside of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wonder if maybe it was so popular just because when something that explicit and that intimate comes out that people aren't used to talking about openly, they kind of grab onto it. Like you said, mm-hmm. they flock to it. But unfortunately, it was just a really bad mm-hmm. uh, example to flock to because it represents such an unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. All right, so how about we kind of draw the line for our listeners here and explain... Um, BDSM and then along with the signs of an abusive relationship. Yeah, uh, BDSM, bondage, dominance, uh, submissive, and uh, masochism. Yep, it's a combination of multiple and each letter can actually represent something different and a lot of people, what they'll do is combine them. Um, And I was reading up on BDSM a little bit before this and it said that... um, People who are involved in it are by no means expected to accept all of it. So you kind of see um, in Christian and Anna's negotiations Mm -hmm. with their contract that pretty much everything is in that contract, pretty much as far as you can go in terms of um, bondage and pain infliction for pleasure and things Mm -hmm. like that, Um, chains being hung from the ceiling, um, all types of sexual toys and implements, riding crops. Um, is pretty much in that contract, and she's supposed to be signing that contract. There's a little bit of negotiation, but I think it implies that uh, you're supposed to accept that life for all that it is. And when I was reading up, um, it was explained that in BDSM, you are by no means expected to accept everything that that uh, world has to offer. You have to choose what you are personally comfortable with, and you are completely encouraged to draw your own lines, because in that uh, relationship between a dominant and a submissive, um, everyone has to be comfortable and respectful at all times. Um, so yeah, I would guess, I, I would say that um, the line to draw there is definitely up to each person, and the mm-hmm. movie doesn't necessarily let you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree completely. Um, I just think it just, it went a little bit too far outside of the bedroom, as we have mentioned. Um, you can clearly tell in the movie and like when you're reading the books if you have that Anna is uncomfortable with it and she just feels the pressures inside the bedroom. She, um, it just every time she sort of tries to tear away from it, Christian just keeps coming back with more and more, as we said. And it just is very, it's sort of manipulative, I would say. He's just using, he's using sex to, you know, keep her around and show her that it is okay, but I don't think people are realizing that. She's not choosing it. She's just sort of being persuaded just to make him happy. Yeah. And I guess in terms of drawing lines, I would say a line that the that you would also have to draw is between, um, you know, 
that type of sexual preference and lifestyle, uh, dominant, submissive, and abuse. You need to mm-hmm. be able to draw a line between that. And I think, as someone mentioned earlier, it's a fine line. Um, and I think the line is drawn outside the bedroom. So, you know, um, being dominant and submissive and um, choosing to be that way while having sex is one thing. You know, that needs to be completely consensual. There needs to be a ton of communication so that people know you're not crossing the line sexually with things you're not comfortable with. Um, but the difference, and I, and I think that's completely fine if that is what a person is into in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the bedroom, if those same kind of characteristics of being dominating, of being controlling, uh, as Christian is in the movie, um, if that's being done in the relationship outside the bedroom, that's where the line needs to be drawn. That's mm-hmm. unhealthy and that is abusive. Um, yeah, you can be into anything you want to in the bedroom, but if, if controlling things are happening in your relationship, I think that's where that line needs to be drawn, and I don't think that's totally clear in the movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. And I guess last, um, I would just remind everyone that, you know, those things we mentioned, mm-hmm. um, jealousy, keeping people um, mm-hmm. from seeing your friends, trying to control what you eat and what you drink, and even, like Kelsey mentioned, um, controlling where you go. He got her a new car that he could probably monitor. He got yeah. her a new phone that he could monitor. Um, All those types of things are the traditional signs. If you look it up anywhere, those are the traditional signs of an abusive relationship. So um, I guess I would just say to our listeners, you know, there's always something you can do about it if you Mm -hmm. find yourself in that situation or if uh, someone you know is in that situation, you know, um, there's always a way out of that. Obviously, the first solution is to leave, is to extricate yourself from that. Um, But there are a couple other options um, if that's not something for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, um, um, things like um, <laughs> something that Anna couldn't really do in the movie is talk yeah. to your friends or your family members, people you trust. Yeah, that was something that was just a little bit drawing the line because even if she wasn't comfortable and she needed to talk to somebody about it, she couldn't. And so he just sort of took that away from her immediately. Yeah. Um, also, I guess not in the movie world, you know, if um, you don't feel comfortable bringing something like um, concerns about your relationship to a family member or friend, um, there are 24-hour crisis hotlines if it's something that's escalated that far, or even just seeking um, a professional um, to talk to you, uh, someone with non-disclosure agreements again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are, there are plenty of people to talk to, and um, there are plenty of ways to extricate yourself from that situation. So. I guess just one last reminder would be to never be afraid to speak up if if any of these signs that are uh, kind of hidden in this movie and that we've been talking about are happening in your life that um, it's never something you should have to put up with as a woman Absolutely. or as anyone. Absolutely. Right. Well, that wraps up our talk with uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and the sex podcast. Yeah. Thank you all yes. for listening. Thanks.